Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we're going to be uh, having a look at our Harvard Business Review tips. One of them is uh, the need to define your social media strategy. We're also talking with Christina Gerakaitis from Ideation at Work. We're going to look at some new innovative products. Right now, though, we're going to have a chat with Amanda Morris from Ozshore Insurance at Maitland about protecting your business in times of disaster. Good afternoon, Amanda. Oh, hi, Julian. How are you going? I'm very well. And uh, we do uh, often hear about all these uh, natural disasters. What what sort of disasters face businesses? Uh, look, there's, there's other several disasters that can um, have a massive effect on a business. The main ones, realistically, that can cause massive devastation is, is fire and storm. Yeah, yeah. And we've certainly uh, experienced some of that here in uh, the Hunter region recently, haven't we? Oh, we did, yeah. The April superstorm uh, last year, it, uh, it caused a lot of heartache and, and havoc, uh, especially around the Maitland area. There was um, over $800 million in damage from that storm and yeah, it was um, quite an event to go through, and yeah, insurance has uh, certainly played a major role in, in putting, especially businesses, back in the position they were in prior to that event. Uh, and I know that uh, you visited several of your businesses uh, on the night of the storm, uh, and uh, they were quite fearful about what where they would stand, wouldn't they? Oh, they were. Yeah, they were. Look, it was something that was you know, there's a lot of emotional attachment to to of your course. business, so. Yeah, just so uh, on the night of the storm, the rush in the morning after the storm, it was sort of still in the midst of the storm. I, I did um, visit a lot of my clients and uh, just to see their insurance broker standing in the doorway, giving them the uh, peace of mind that we are covered for this and we will be okay was um, priceless for some of my clients. So obviously we're talking insurance. What sort of protection can we use then to protect our businesses in these circumstances? Yeah, look, any business owner really uh, needs to have the, you know, the couple of sections on a, on a business policy. First one's your fire and peril section, and the second one's your business interruption section. So your fire and peril section um, is, is covering your fire and, and storm and perils and other related events such as floods. You can choose to have that cover. Um, the main tick on, on this section is to make sure that you, your sums insured are accurate. Um, and they're reflecting the replacement value of your contents in your stock. A lot of a lot of people go underinsured under this section. They just don't address it every year. Um, the other section is the business interruption. It's like an income protection for your business. Um, cash flow is a, is a real killer if you suffer a, a fire through the building or, or a mm. storm. And like this one, it's yeah, it's, it's quite devastating. So to make sure those two sections are in your policy and um, is a real must, I believe. And there is a difference, isn't there, between a storm and a flood? There is, yeah, there is a difference, um, and that's where there was a, a bit of controversy, I guess, for some business owners um, during the, sto- the storm of um, 2015 was uh, where the actual water came from. So, yeah, storm water is basically any water that falls from the sky. Uh, flood is any water that's rising from any natural cause or anywhere where water would normally lie. So you really need to check the definition of those, of those um, terms in your policy wording. So it's whether the water comes up or comes down. That's pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> so you've mentioned that uh, a lot of issues is that uh, we underinsure or we don't value our... What what happens in those circumstances? Yeah, if you, look, the, the main um, repercussion of that is just really to the business owner. If you haven't got enough um, some insured in your insurance policy to put you back in the position you're in, 
um, it's pointless having the policy. It's actually, you know, it's there to design to protect you and, and put you back up in trading. And um, and if it can't do that, then it's really not. It's defeating the purpose of paying the premium. So you really do need to get the services or get some advice from a qualified broker with who can help you to either value those items or um, put you in, in with other contacts to make sure that you are insured uh, adequately. So if you're undervalued, they pay out less than than that you would expect. Look, they don't pay. Usually, the insurers won't apply under insurance to the fire and peril section unless. Um, depending on the policy wording. But, yeah, technically, if you're just underinsured, it's just defeating, really defeating the purpose of having insurance. And I know you're in the industry. Do you find a lot of businesses still don't insure? I mean, I, know, I think I read recently or when they had all those floods up in Queensland that only something like 25% of businesses had um, cover. They did, yeah. That's, and that's the whole reason for the reform of the flood definition and inclusion is the policy wordings, especially for domestic policies. The home and contents and landlords policies. Um, there was just so many people that um, didn't have flood cover and didn't realise they had flood cover and, and didn't realise it was there available to, to purchase. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it really left a lot of people uh, yeah, out on a out on a limb with a lot of loss um, in those in those areas as well. And I suppose the other the other one we, we mentioned fire there, uh, uh, bushfires. Uh, a lot of people don't think that they could be affected by a bushfire. I know that uh, one stage I lived in the middle of. Uh, in Cardiff area, and we had a bushfire right up to our back fence. So, you you know, you think, I'm not going to have a, that sort of a fire in um, that area. That's exactly right. And, and look, the, you can see that Mother Nature's playing havoc with us, you know, on a daily basis now, and, and you really do need to make sure that you've got um, a superior policy that's protecting your assets. We work so hard for what we have, uh, whether it be your business or your home and contents. And yeah. Uh, it only makes sense to make sure that you're purchasing the best policy you can to protect that for you. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Amanda, and uh, we'll have a chat with you again another time. Yeah, excellent. Thank you very much. Have a great afternoon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Amanda Morris there from Assure Insurance Maitland. Yeah, it's a good idea to protect your business or and your home for that matter, but uh, particularly business uh, because you just never know when these natural disasters are going to affect you. Time to pop over to Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you on this gorgeous day? It's a beautiful day, and it's going to continue for the next three days. How lovely is that? According to the little weather map I've got in front of me. Fantastic. I hope it's warm and lovely like this in Melbourne for the Innovation Conference next week. That's where you're going to be next week, is it? Uh, Yes, it will. I'll be back by Thursday, actually, so I'll be able to tell you all about the highlights from the Innovation Conference. But today we're going to talk about a few of those uh, new innovative products that are around. We are, and the first product um, that we'll talk about, because you and I often talk about Apple products, Apple have just introduced the touch bar, um, which will replace the top row of functioning um, buttons on the on your current keyboard, so the brightness, the volume, etc. They're looking to bring a touchpad, or they have, they've developed the touchpad for that using retina display, etc., um, but and it's not really a new idea. We've, you know, it's, right. it's not a, a new idea as, as per innovation. But it's something um, that Apple, as they always do, have been first to bring it to market. And in researching this, I, it was quite interesting. The first touchpad touch um, interaction between computer uh, and human was actually proposed in 1963 wow. by a gentleman, yeah, a gentleman named Ivan Sutherland. Uh, and it was he, the device that he was working with was called a sketchpad, um, but it's, it's like this constant computer interaction with humans 
um, and the touch and the feel has been something that has been going on for, for many decades. And apparently we're going to be able to just, you know, beam up a, a computer screen with using our retina, our own retinas and, and punch a few buttons in midair and we'll be able to have all the functions um, around our computer screens now. So a bit like, a bit like they do on the TV sometimes, some of those uh, scientific shows. Where that's right. It, uh, I, know, I know we're so used now with these uh, touchpads with our iPads and, and, and so forth that uh, I'm always pressing my computer screen expecting it to react. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely true. And lots of people are doing that. But it's, it's a new, there's a necessity in the market for a cleaner, a, win, a, um, a cleaner for yes. the computer screens from all the finger marks. Get rid of them. Um, the, second thing, yeah, the second thing I thought we'd talk about today is Elon Musk made an announcement last week uh, about some solar cell tiles. Uh, his whole... Uh, impetus behind this is climate change. So he's done the fast cars and he's been working on batteries. Now he's developed a tile that is absolutely stunning to look at. The top of it is glass. Um, so get rid of the solar panels. Top of this, this tile is glass. It feeds into the solar panel, which is held within um, that singular tile. They reckon that they can store enough energy to do your house, your car, and have energy left over. They're looking at bringing this, this out as a, as a common um, thing to market by the end of 2017, so it's not that far away. Mm. And what that means is for, for Tesla and, and for Elon Musk is that you'll be able to capture the energy from the sun, store it in these amazing batteries that hold incredible amounts of energy, fuel your house with, with the energy that it needs to function, fuel the car, um, assist the climate, and you'll be able to do this on less than what it costs now to replace the roof and pay for your electricity costs. So that's what they're working at there. Wow. Uber, another thing that I was reading this week, apparently Uber have already been spotted with um, flying... Now, I was going to say flying cars, and I said that to you before, but yeah. you, you kind of went, cars? And I'm, So they're, they're testing um, flying something or others, to uh, to have in the same vein as, as Uber on the ground now. But what they've also brought out last week, um, on the island of Manhattan, they're trialling this. So you pay $100 for unlimited Uber usage. So it might $100 two weeks gives you unlimited Uber usage. So they're trialling it on a, on a mass market scale. And mm. the other little thing that I thought I might mention um, is there's a collaboration between a U.S. startup called Filled, F-I-L-L-D, uh, and Bentley motor cars. So with a, a, a touch of the app um, on the field app, and you will be able to have somebody deliver the fuel to your Bentley. Uh, it will the costing thing will go through your phone, so you won't even have to have to hand over any cash. It'll be a cashless um, exchange, probably around blockchain because that's coming back with a vengeance. And we might talk about that next week or the week after as well. But blockchain uh, is certainly making inroads into how. Uh, financial transactions are going to be taking place. So you can only have your car refueled on the road if if you drive a Bentley. At the moment, the app's <laughs> only got the collaboration with Bentley, but I'm sure they'll be able to extend that Ma- further. Maybe they feel if you've got the money for a Bentley, that you can <laughs> afford to pay for it. I think that might be it. You can afford <laughs> the extra couple of dollars it's going to cost to get the people to come and deliver the fuel to your door. Yeah, but certainly um, you often see those pe- poor people on the side of the road where they've run out of fuel and have to walk miles with a can. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, it's like anything. All the, all the new products, the new apps, the new services, they all come through a necessity. Somebody finds yeah. a gap in the market, someone fills it, and all of a sudden there's a business born. But if it's a huge need like um, what Uber have been able to create and what the Airbnb have been able to create, 
huge mass market. They're talking about Uber now in terms of disrupting everything so much. They're they're up there with Walt Disney in the in the you know famous company, famous changes to to the world stakes. Mm. So that's where they're that's where they're putting Uber on a on a world stage now. Wow. Well, you have a great week and uh, enjoy the conference, and we'll have a chat about that conference next week. We shall. You have a great week too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. That's Christina there from Ideation at Work. Uh, some interesting new products coming around, aren't they? We've got time for a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. And this one's an interesting one. Marketers need a defined social media strategy. Investing time and resources in a stro- social media strategy is only a smart move if you have a well-defined approach. Too many marketers make the mistake of trying to talk to everyone in every social channel, which makes it impossible to define the right voice, content and measure of success. A better method is to narrowly identify whom you want to listen and communicate with. And you are, I mean, are you targeting millennials entering the workforce or dads with young children or senior executives nearing retirement? What are they doing on social media and where are they doing it? What are the consumers saying about your brand, products, services and competitors? Start with simple Google searches on your brand name, analytics tools within social networks and secondary research sources such as Pew Research and Edison Research to identify larger trends in social media use. This information will set you on the right path to defining a targeted strategy. Yes, to get a strategy working on social media, you want to need to be consistent with it, which really means you don't want to be doing too much because you really don't have the time. So, talking about time, to work less, rethink how you do spend your time. You want to work less, but you can't imagine how, especially since you feel like you're already behind. Begin by deciding how much you want to work. Set a target range of hours, for example, maybe 45 to 50 hours a week, and use the number as a stopping point. If choosing a weekly range is overwhelming, start by small by focusing on an incremental goal like leaving 15 minutes earlier each day. Then determine the tasks you need to accomplish on a weekly and daily basis within the schedule to feel comfortable ending your workday on time. If you find you're still working late, identify what's hindering you to too many meetings, interruptions, not enough resources, and address the specific problems that are holding you back. At first, these changes to your schedule will feel uncomfortable, but after a few weeks, you become less emotionally resistant to those reduced hours. So there's a couple of interesting points there, uh, getting our social media right and getting our times right. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at uh, protecting those businesses in times of disaster. And yes, those disasters do hit us. And some of those new innovative products. In a moment, Dave Cochran will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to enter the legal world again with Rebecca McKenzie from Baker Love and Lawyers. We're going to have that minute on in innovation with Christina when she comes back from that conference. And we'll have some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Albert Einstein once said, nothing happens until something moves. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. 
Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.